You like the Just Baseball show and want to make your own? Let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never seen before. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, this is coming out start the week, Monday, August 9th. We're recording Sunday, August 8th at 7.10 p.m. Uh, 7.09 p.m. was when Tim Anderson went oppo. First pitch in the first Sunday night baseball game on ABC since the 80s. So wow. shout out Tim Anderson rising to the occasion. What, what's, what's the reason for it being on ABC? I'm not sure. I've got no idea. All I know is Al Michaels is going to FaceTime in at some point, And like Peter and I will probably talk about it in the Tuesday pod. Like this might suck. It might be the classic. Hey, um, I'm holding the phone at an angle. And like, I get a whole bunch of Al Michaels chin. I have no idea what's going to happen. One of, one of those great ideas in theory. And then they try it and it doesn't work. Hold on. Eloy Jimenez just went yard in the first two. Wow. Three nothing wow. socks. Especially given that he died earlier in the year. To, right. To be able to come back and not only just come back to the field, Homer after dying. Incredible. Think about this. They hung his jersey in the dugout and they said forever in our hearts. <laughs> like they didn't say <laughs> forever in our hearts, but they were like, this is for you, Eloy. And he's already back and he's hitting home runs in the, in the very beginnings of August. Like this season's for you, Eloy. And then he gets to come back and help out in the season that was dedicated for him. That's it. <laughs> it's like attending your own funeral and giving a eulogy to, to yourself to legitimately <laughs> your coughing. It's literally giving yourself a eulogy and being like, all right, like let's go back to everything being normal again. I need some water. <laughs> and then they didn't do it for Luis Robert. I feel like at that point you did it already. You got to do it for everybody. Like if, if you fuck up and you give your one kid a super awesome 10th birthday, yeah. Then you're going to have to do a sick 10th birthday for all of the other kids. Right. This isn't a birthday. This sucks. This is like crappy injury, but you got to do it for everybody. Right. Your youngest is going to be like, what the hell? Like, so do they like Eloy more than Luis Robert? That's a great question. I have no idea. I think I so. And also, I think when we go to the trade deadline next year and we're, they're saying, you know, you never know, they might trade somebody. We can tie it back to this and say Luis Robert is more available than Eloy per sources because Luis Robert did not get that whole send off. Same wow. injury, maybe worse, wow. See, maybe a worse injury. I think you're reading way too far into it. I think what my thought is, is they realized that it was stupid as hell that they pretty much eulogized Eloy Jimenez and they were like, oh, we don't have to do that for Luis Robert because 
just like Eloy Jimenez, there's a chance that Luis Robert is coming back this year to help us with the playoff push. So that, that's a reach, but I think yeah. we'll find out next year's deadline. Hey, we're going to talk about the rules today because we're about two thirds into the season of the rule implementations, or maybe like, I don't know, a season in two thirds, like whatever you want to call 2020. But before that, I, I got down this rabbit hole this morning. I want to talk about Derek Jeter's lack of defensive ability. Oh God. With me doing that. All right. Just get it out because this is the thing. One of my biggest pet peeves and I love, I know we're going to have some listeners here that are like, just waiting, like, like, yeah, give all of the bad stats about him defensively. Worst shortstop ever. Yes, whatever. But some of these analytic driven people use it to say Jeter's bad. Ichiro is overrated. Like, ah, but anyway, just just do it. Just do it. Let's hear it. No, no, no. Like that's total BS. And Derek Jeter is one of the best offensive shortstops of all time. If not the best offensive shortstop of all time, he's got 3000 hits. He won five gold gloves in his career. He had a negative defensive war in three of those five. He won a gold glove in 2005 when he had a defensive war of negative 1.8. But it didn't exist yet, right? Right. Did defensive it war exist. exist yet then? No, right? What, what What is the defensive war era? I don't know. Hindsight's 2020, but like, oh my God. <laughs> like you have to be able to measure that this guy was not good at all defensively. Well, I think I can one up that. I'm 90% sure it was Jose Canseco. I'm checking right now. <laughs> no, it wasn't Canseco. Shoot, it was Palmero. Rafael Palmero won a gold glove at first base in a season where he made a predominant amount of his starts at DH. He only started 50 games at first base. Jeff Conine told me this on, on Outside the Box, and I almost vomited. And I haven't stopped thinking about it. I think it was 91. 91 uh he did not win a gold glove then he won gold gloves in 97 98 and 99 so now i'm going to his fielding splits in 97 98 and 99 uh at 99 he played 100 oh yeah you're right <laughs> read him read him read him it's oh the greatest God. thing i've ever seen uh, also the- oh in 1999, as a 34-year-old with the Texas Rangers, Rafael Palmero won not just a silver slugger, was not just an all-star, and was not just fifth in AL MVP voting, but also won his third gold glove. 1999, he played 28 games at first base yep. and was designated hitter in 128 games, and he was a gold glove first baseman, playing Thank less you. than 30 games at the position. I undersold it. That's hilarious. That's awful. So Jeff Jeff was telling me about it. He said back then the award was just a giant group thing. And it was just like, oh, Palmero is a pretty good first baseman. We'll just give it to him. And that's kind of why I'm a little bit – well, actually, I I can't even bring him up in terms of Hall of Fame because I think he's done in terms of ethics. But Omar Vizquel was a guy that I didn't even think should be in beyond the ethics because of – and what did the White Sox just do? I see you again. Andrew Vaughn, two-run bomb, five-nothing Sox in the first inning. It's almost like they're playing a triple A team, <laughs> a quadruple A team, quadruple A team. With that, that's Schwindel. Schwindel. You got Ortega went yard three times the day he was the face of the lineup card. Uh, Janeshwi Fargus is in that lineup. Oh, is that where he is now? Yeah. I, I know he was the Mets savior earlier this year. Greg Dykeman's like the project. Greg Dykeman is one of the more exciting things. And like you, you might put him in the top five player. Four-year college guy or three-year college guy. Yeah. Three-year college guy. 
So oh. back to the Conseco thing. Tell me that's not the craziest statistic or like award you've ever heard. Palmero. Yeah. It's- or Palmero. Sorry. I always mix them up. Yeah. The Palmero thing. Like how do you get a gold glove playing 28 games at a position? I don't know. It's I, like a troll. That's idiotic. It, like who, what smart person was sitting at the table and said, wait guys, he's only played 28 games at first base. And most of the people thought that was a good idea. That's the craziest part is like most people thought that was a good idea. So the, the, the reason why we brought that up and the reason why I knew about that was because Jeff was saying how gold gloves used to make zero sense, like just no sense at all. It was kind of just like a popularity contest. And now they're just so overanalyzed that with the shifts, which we're going to talk about, it's even hard to now gauge it again because we can't even really figure out who's good at their position because what are the positions? What is Manny? Mach- what do you call Manny Machado's position when he's fielding the ball off the right field wall? Because it's not third base. It's damn well not third base. See the shallow right fielder. He's the shallow right fielder. Yes. Oh my God! It's like Tom Crean with Georgia basketball listing every guy as P as their position for player <laughs> instead of guard, forward, center. He just said P. Yeah, that that'll really throw off the other team. Yeah. Well, the Marlins today they, they do what this is something they love to do is withhold the starting pitcher. So like an hour and a half before, and they announced an hour and a half before that David Hess would be going. And David Hess got the nod today at Coors Field. So I quickly made a TikTok, and you know, you know, I'm not big on on the TikTok. That's Peter's domain. And I gave out a pick, and I said, you know what? I'm going to give out my lock of the week. My lock of the week was Rockies first five innings minus one half run. I think they covered by ten runs. It was crazy. David Hess gave up seven runs in, in one inning. God, I mean, he looked awful. He's not a big leaguer. I'm sorry, David Hess. There are a lot of guys that aren't big leaguers. Um, all right, let's talk rules. Rules. Tell let's me about with, them. Let's start with the shift. The shift, because we've talked about this briefly, so I just want to see where you're at now. Yeah. Sticky stuff has made strikeouts cut down. Yeah. Batting average on balls in play, Babbitt, which you – make sure you hold me accountable so I don't say B-A-B-I-P. <laughs> Adding average on balls in play, they are, or the stat, it's 10 points lower than it's been in the past, like several years. Is that a problem? Do we care or like figure it out? I'm going to play the devil's advocate when you say figure it out. Yeah, I, I don't care. I say figure it out. Don't you think that the pitcher controls the game to a degree? Like, Let's say I'm a lefty up at the plate and I'm getting this, I'm getting shifted just horribly. And you're throwing me sliders, back leg sliders as a righty. What the hell am I supposed to do, Jack? It's go yeah. yard or hit right into the damn shift. Right. It's go yard, hit right into the shift, or walk. You can walk, too. What if it's a strike on the, on the inner half? You said back foot slider. Strike on the inner half. Okay, strike I'm, on the inner half. I, I'm filleting that thing the other way. No, you don't have to. All I'm saying is get your hands in and drive liners. And if it, it's caught in the shift, then understandable. But I mean, shoot the line. And like, here's my thing. I'm actually really not opposed to this hyper home run obsession. Um, the Joey Gallo of the world where all he wants to do is lift baseballs over the short porch. I'm not opposed to that because that's what a pitcher's throwing you. You're just going to do it, right? Like, I don't care if you alter your swing. If you strike out a billion times, then you strike out a billion times. But I am so not here for somebody telling a defense that they can't do something that will help them be better. 
I agree. I agree. It's almost like saying you can't stack the box in football. Like you can't have X amount of players, uh, you know, up at the exactly. line. Like you can't, you can't really do that. I know you they have some that. sort of semblance of structure with how you can line up, but, but for the most part, you can do whatever the hell you want. And so, football, yeah, yeah. In football, fourth and one, you put nine in the box or something, have a wide out, run a fade route, just quick move at the line with a corner pressing and then just loft it over the top of them. Like there are outs to that. There yeah. is a way to beat a stacked box. There is a way to beat a shift if you want. It's either hit. Push bunt aren't that hard. I know everybody says it. My mom is even like, why doesn't he just bunt? I don't freaking know. It's really not that hard. Not that hard. Joey Gallo just did it today. Yeah, it's, it's really easy, frankly. God, pitchers do it. It's easy. It's easy. It's easy. John Lester smacked one triple digits again today. I think he's entering the, the second phase of his career where he just rakes and doesn't pitch well. Rick and Keel. <laughs> Rick and Keel, except at 40. Uh, <laughs> but that's okay. I think we're on the same page there. I, I'm not totally opposed to a rule where you have to still have like one guy or two guys to the left of the base or whatever it may be. Where it gets really difficult is where you legitimately have the whole team over there on one side. But again, just push one. I, I guess I'm going to stick with the I'm okay with no, with, with no shift regulation. Just let it go and see what happens. But the extra inning rule is where I get a lot of pushback. I don't mind it. But also, it. okay, yes. But then you also have the people that are like, it's not baseball. Da, 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 da. Like, it is pretty ridiculous and Little League-esque if you really boil it down. And how many games are going more than 10 innings, 11 innings, 12 innings? The answer was 58 out of like the 2,000 whatever the hell games there are in 2019. Is it that much of a problem where we're – altering outcomes to games uh, pretty significantly and stat lines and a lot of things. Here's my thought. If everybody is complaining about the soft tissue injuries in 2021, after a 60 game season, what do you want to do for your arms? You want to limit innings that they have to throw. So if there's any way to limit the 15 inning game and make it non-existent and just cut it to 11 innings, just do it even though it's averaged like 1.5 games per team a year. Yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily like care about the, the consistency that it happens. I just know that when it happens, it's detrimental, not just for that game, but for the next week. And you know, that, that. Is, that is also true. And that's, that's what I said. You know, you're overloading your bullpen. It really affects you. And it's also one of those things where I know what we talked about in terms of excitement. And this is because obviously Jeff, a nineties baseball player, Jeff going nine on the, on outside the box where we just talked about some of this. He was like, I mean, I played in the nineties. I'm a baseball purist. Like I'm going to hate this. I have to, uh, right. but, and I understand that as someone that played, but as a fan, which he can't really speak to. And he acknowledged this was like, when I'm going through MLB TV, like late at night, and there's a bunch of games that are towards their end. In the past, I would never give a shit about an extra innings game because I'm like, okay, they're going to go three up, three down both ways. And it's going to go four more innings and be boring. Yep. Now it's like you go to an extra inning game. It's, it's automatically a jam. And if he gets out of the jam, that was exciting and worth me watching. If he doesn't get out of the jam, it's either a walk-off or the other team took the lead. So I, I do like what that brings. And also just anecdotally, I've noticed that the floodgates really open. It's not just the one run with the guy oh, on yeah. second. It oh, always just snowballs. It, there ends up being a four spot. And I don't have any statistics to back that up. And maybe people have a different experience from what they've seen. But whenever, when I've seen, when the games I watch, it's the one run. And then it's like four more. 
And it, I don't know how starting with a guy on second does it, but I think it's just the mentality of inheriting no base runners or inheriting a guy on second that just changes everything. You took the words right out of my mouth. I, I agree. It, it feels like the floodgates open, and I have no idea how to quantify that, but there is always the four-run top of the 10th inning. It's like, where the hell did that come from? But and then sometimes the other team comes back. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like, take game one of this White Sox-Cubs series at Wrigley on Friday afternoon. It was a four-run top of the 10th inning for the White Sox, and then the Cubs were threatening in the bottom of the 10th. They put up two, and then I think the tying run was at the plate, when the final out was recorded. That is interesting. That's interesting stuff. And I agree with you. It's automatically a high leverage situation, which is phenomenal for viewership. And it brings some strategy back into it because it's like, do you go to your closer here? Who do you go to in this situation? Your strikeout guy. Do you try to save your closer for the next inning? If you're the away team, there is an advantage to the home team, but I think there's a way that it all kind of evens itself out. Uh, and I think that's one of those things that, that ends up working itself out, but not knowing the postseason, right? We're not doing that in the postseason. No, not, not in the postseason. I agree. I, I think that's kind of like hockey, right? Hockey has their three on three. Wow. We've talked about hockey two podcasts in a row. Yeah. Let's go. So <laughs> both are by me, which was plus 10,000 in the book. Uh, <laughs> you have the three on three, which expedites the entire process of overtime in hockey, which so is that awesome. it doesn't go to shootouts. Shootouts are fun. But games should never be decided by a shootout. That's way worse. Agreed. That's like a home run derby deciding a ball game. So I, I am here for that in that regard because other sports have, I guess, worse outcomes. But then the final one, what's the final rule here? that we? we oh, doubleheaders. Atrocious. I hate them. Seven-inning doubleheaders suck. Hold on. I, was, I wasn't even done with that. You compared it to hockey. I'm going to compare it to tennis. You know how you got the tie break in the first couple of sets? And then in the last set, if you go to a fifth set on the men's side, then you just keep playing back and forth until somebody wins the 13th game by two. We saw Kevin Anderson and John Isner do that at Wimbledon a couple of years ago. Yeah, they ago. played like 95 hours straight. They played a billion hours straight, but that's how a fifth set has to be decided. It cannot be a tiebreak because somebody can luck their way into a tiebreak. Yes, somebody can luck their way into two consecutive points, but that is tennis. Like a tiebreak is not necessarily tennis at, at the end of the first set. So yeah, you're stretching me thin there. Okay, fair. But you remember that Kevin Anderson and uh, John Isner thing, right? Yeah, John Isner's like that six eight dude, right? Yeah, and Anderson's like six five, and he's South African, but he went to University of Illinois. Like shout out Shambana. Um, all right, you want to talk about? Uh, you're stretching we- me really thin right now. Yeah, that's fine. Whatever. Yeah, Florida man, you want to talk about? <laughs> what, what's the other one you just said? Um, oh, we're talking about the uh, Little League games that happen like once a week. You got seven-inning doubleheaders. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't mind it. I kind of like seven-inning oh. baseball. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, that's the broadcaster in you, right? You just want the game over with? I, it's kind of the fan in me, too. Like, these games are long as hell. Yeah, but, dude, you have a seven-inning game. Your starter goes six, which is like – bordering a, that's like a quality start is six right. innings that's where you that's the sh- threshold of a quality start the game's over you hand it over to the closer game over that's insane it is insane and roster size would definitely go down which i'm not a proponent of i like the bigger the roster the better i like a lot of guys to be honest i would be totally cool it's like the backup quarterback type thought in uh what's that show um state Blue Mountain State, right? Best job in sports. He loves being the backup quarterback. It's the best job in sports. 
Think about it's basically the what I am on this podcast. Shut up. <laughs> but you get called on once a week. You're crunch <laughs> yeah. time. I know. I know. By the way, I know you have a, a good thought on Tua, which we'll get to uh, a little bit later on in the pod. But yeah, I, I don't mind it. I think there would need to be some roster manipulation if we were to go to consistently seven inning doubleheaders. I don't mind seven inning doubleheaders just because it's a lot more humane than 18 innings in a day. 14 innings is a lot easier to chew off. Um, having said that, that is kind of where I probably agree with Jeff Conine, where I, you got to stick to tradition. Baseball's nine innings. The notable achievement where if you throw a seven inning no hitter, it's a notable achievement or whatever. Right. Like, I, don't, I wouldn't even want it. I wouldn't even want a seven inning no hitter. I'd rather give up a hit in the seven because then I'd be always wondering would I have actually thrown a real no hitter instead of have this participation trophy, notable achievement that I'm going to get pissed every time I see like that. I don't want that. I don't want it at all. Like imagine somebody gives us, I don't know where we're at on the charts now. Hopefully we're, we're, we're climbing a little bit, but imagine someone just gives you a nice little plaque 134th on Apple podcast charts. Like, okay. Hey, subtle flex right now we're a lot fucking higher than 134. <laughs> what are we? Shout out us. Um, How is that even quantified? Because there's no, like, it, it, whatever, whatever. I, I have no idea, but thank you to everybody listening because it's really cool to see us even in the realm of some of these other guys. Just get us over Keith Law. Just get us over Keith Law, and I love you all. Hey, we've heard Keith Law, really nice dude. Aram just disagrees with a lot of his prospect rankings. That's just how that. No, works. Keith Law is incredible. I mean, he, he's a pioneer, but he could be nicer to people on Twitter. That's all I'll say. That's all I'll say. And I would say that to Keith. I would I say thought, that to Keith. Hold he's on, knowledgeable. I'm... He's an incredible, incredible writer. He's he's a pioneer, but he is very short and sometimes not very kind to people on Twitter. And I think that is well documented. I thought you guys had a pretty solid discourse on Twitter. I thought there was a. I have never been more like scared when I'm mess. Like I was so careful to not upset him when I had the back and forth with him was like, Hey Keith, thanks so much for your time. Just wanted to see. And like, you can't even like question too aggressively. You got to really climb in slowly and yeah, it went great, but I had to really think about it. You know what? I bet, I bet he's a lot easier to interact with in person. We got to get him on the pod at some point. We just need to get face to face with Keith law. Keith, if, if you are listening to this somehow, uh, we, we know you are in all likelihood, a great guide. We want you on the pod to talk about your prospect rankings. (laughs) Pioneer. Pioneer. Uh, Hey, let's talk about Tua real quick. I know you've got a ton of faith in Tua Tungavailoa because I'm going to go through the same thing with Justin Fields. I feel like, I think that everybody is making him out to be God and, For my sake, I hope he is right away. But if he's not, I need to know how to weather the storm and trust the process of Justin Fields. Yeah, I mean, the situation around Tua last year was terrible, right? Awful. He had nobody to throw to most games. Devontae Parker missed more games than he played. Gasicki missed a ton of games. Preston Williams was out. His his best target some games was Matt Collins and Lynn Bowden. So, I mean, when you're doing with that, and then your, your backfield is Matt Breida and Miles Gaskin and Patrick Laird uh, in a battle line, not going to be good, not to mention coming off of a really bad hip injury. I think with Fields, he's a guy that doesn't have the most reps ever, right? 
I think he's going to struggle. He's going to throw a lot of picks early on, but you're going to get flashes of how damn talented he is. And I think you just got to weather that storm because, you know, once he gets more comfortable with his reads and gets used to just how rapidly difficult it is to read NFL defenses, that fields will start to really be able to tap into that athleticism more. And I'm almost getting ready for football mode, bro. Yeah. Just football. Shit. Just football. Are we launching that in August? Who knows August. Bas- it's basketball or football. We'll see. It's got to be basketball. I feel like well, no. we need baseball to keep killing it. We're on pace. We're on pace to smash last month's page views, which is great. So great. just baseball.com, please just click around. If you're really bored, there's so many good articles and it helps us so much. Uh, it really does because right now we're just trying to, we're just trying to, we're just trying to make it right, Jack. We're just trying to make it. We're trying to take off. Uh, what's the line that Will Ferrell used in Step Brothers? I want to make oh, bank. Man. I want to drive a Range Rover. <laughs> yeah, you are you a Range Rover guy? No, I am a Step Brothers guy though. Okay, so you, you this podcast becomes Joe Rogan. What's your first purchase? Uh maybe an upgrade from my 2016 Jetta. Although I love my 2016 Jetta. So what's the upgrade? The 2021 Jetta? Probably great mileage. I get 44 then- miles per gallon on the highway. Volkswagen. If you want an ad deal on this <laughs> podcast, let me know. We got to do one of those, how I spent my first hundred dollars instead of the first million that Forbes yeah. does. GQ. We'll just, uh, well, I need to make a hundred dollars first from this, but um, <laughs> how I spend my first hundred, you know where it's going. Brennan oh. Davis, more cards, all in. Actually, Greg Jones, new guy that I'm investing in. And we'll yeah. wrap up with that. Greg Jones, I'm buying his cards. I'm a believer. We just put out a video of him hitting a nuke. You've seen Greg Jones even before I did. So you could probably speak to a little bit of the development and then I'll add on whatever you miss. Just stupid fast game changing yeah. speed. And this is another guy in the Rays system. Wander Franco is going to be the shortstop. Vidal Brujan is going to be the second baseman. Greg Jones is either a massive trade piece or he's the center fielder when KK moves on. Do you want he's to hear my so take fast. on it? Yeah, let's hear. I'd rather have Greg Jones than Vidal Brujan. Wow. I disagree. Ah, that's hard. Greg Jones is one of the fastest guys in minor league baseball right now. And he's got more power than Bruhan too. He does, but I think 13 homers, six from the left side, seven from the right side, consistent splits both ways. Absolutely flies. Now the approach has gotten better and better. I, I just think he's, and Bruhan is really tailed off since his hot start. Okay, so I think that Bruhan has a little bit more defensive versatility than Greg Jones. So what if Greg Jones was the second baseman with Franco as the shortstop and you put Bruhan anywhere? Swiss Center Army. Field. He's getting guy. a lot of reps in center right now in Durham. So. Getting reps in center. He can also hop over to third or Franco can hop over to third. Jones Franco should play third. And I, I, yeah, I think Taylor Walls could play shortstop. He's still. so good. He's so good. And then also remember that dude, Xavier Edwards? Yeah, he's they've got him too. Man, the Rays are loaded. Yeah, I think they trade Edwards. But so what too. are they trading for? A starting pitcher? They don't even that, use starting. But they're pitcher. gonna go get a starting pitcher and then they're gonna trade Glass now. Like they'll do some weird thing like that. And none of us understand, and then they magically win 95 games. Because dude. apparently Glass now was available. Like that was dude, some reports. Dude. You ready for this? 
in a couple of years, five-man rotation, if they hold, if they hold everybody, and they probably won't because Eric Neander thinks a lot more in-depth than we do, possible five-man rotation for Tampa Bay could be Tyler Glasnow, who sits 98, Shane Baz, who sits 99, Shane McClanahan, who sits 99, Luis Patino, who sits 96, and who am I missing here? Brendan McKay? They could go McKay. They could go with some other random dude that just emerges. They have this guy, Taj Bradley, whose numbers are video game-esque. Tommy Romero, a dude that I faced in high school a bunch of times that's just on another planet now, too. Mm. Uh, His numbers are ridiculous. I think he's punching out like 13 for nine. They have so many dudes. They're just going to spawn one. How about Cole Wilcox? Oh, Wilcox is good, too, man. It's just not fair. It's, It's not fair, but they're doing it, you know, because they know what they're doing. Uh, but how about the Marlins' future pitching staff? Ooh. That, that's got some interesting uh, components to it. If they hold Pablo Lopez, it's Pablo, Sandy Alcantara, uh, Edward Cabrera, so Mac, good. Max Meyer. Who else? Sixto Sanchez, once Sixto. he's back. Yeah. And then Jake Eater has one of the best ERAs in all of AA right now. Amazing. Jesus Lizardo. Who oh, I, I love Lazardo. He's going to figure it out. He's going to figure it out. Right now, it's just inconsistency with his delivery. You can see the arm is just not timing up with his, with his lower half. He'll get there. The Marlins have done a great job developing arms. I don't think that they're going to squander a guy that has much more arm talent than basically everybody else. I think there's some similarities between him and Sandy, and I think that you know he can start to settle in there. And then they have this 18-year-old wonderkin, Yuri Perez, in low A right now. He's 18 years old. He's six foot nine and he throws 96. He punched out 11. He only gave up one ball in play in six innings, his last outing. And he's racking up 2,650 or 2,750 RPMs on the fastball, which is like one percentile or actually top 0.5 percentile. That's crazy. Holy smokes. Hey, before we go, you saw Jason Dominguez play. <laughs> He's, he's a real human being. He's a real human being. And he, okay. As with my scouting hat on there, and I did the write-up, by the way, if you want to read the whole write-up, it's on justbaseball.com. I really can see how special he can be. I mean, he went yard on, on a pitch that he didn't even get. He's got a lot of physical talent. He doesn't look like he's built like a normal person. Honestly, I think he's too wide. Like he's stiff. And he doesn't move that well. He has great straight line speed. But when he tries to change direction, it looks like he's like teetering because there's so much weight up there. And then the swing, lefty swing is way further along than the righty swing. He got gassed up by 86 twice after he set him up with a good changeup. Yeah, swung and missed. Cade on the first two at-bats on 86. Then the third at-bat went yard on 86, belt high in a 2-0 count that he was sitting dead red on. But still. And then the other two at-bats he was from the left side. Left side was way better, but right now he has so many moving parts. I don't see how he can hit the way he's really approaching the game right now. The way he hits, it's just not going to work, especially at the higher levels. I'm not saying Dominguez isn't going to be a star, but let's pump the brakes. He needs a lot of refinement at the plate. And I'm just going to say that. I'm putting it out there. If you hate me, you hate me, Yankee fans. Is he still 17 years old or is he 18? 18. He's a grown man now. Okay, so clock's ticking, man. Get to clock's the show. ticking. You got to figure it out now. If you're but not, no, I mean, he looks like a high schooler out there. He really looks overmatched compared to a lot of the other hitters. But when he runs into it, then you see the different physical ability that he has that nobody else really has. What but do you have? Straight line speed. Real quick, what do you have his ETA at? 
I think it's going to be slow rolling, man. I, I'm putting it at 24, 20, 25. Wow. That's not what Yankees people want to hear. He's not, he will not play a game above low A this year. And if he does, the Yankees are out of their minds. Yeah, I, I agree. And then you know what? There. I think he starts next year in low A too. Ah, I think he starts next year in high A. If he does, he'll really struggle. And if he struggles, he's there training. all year. I think they'll go into they'll go into spring training next year. And I think there will be a possibility 50-50 that he goes either way. If he doesn't have a good spring or if he has a meh spring, I could guarantee that he starts at least the first 20-something games in low A. I, I really think they're going to take it slow with him, especially with seeing how many holes there are in his swing right now. Uh, I just think that they're going to be really slow. And also, I don't think he's a center fielder. I don't think he's a center fielder either. Man, you think he's a corner? Yep. Straight line speed, not agile. I Very heavy stand, on his feet. Dude, Very I can't heavy stand heavy. Yankees people. I can't stand my co-host Peter Apple, but I feel bad that you said this. Peter, but he was Mike Trout already. He was Mike Trout. He was Mickey Mantle. He, he could still be the superstar. I'm just saying he is far off, like far off. He's not, but check in at the end of the year. I can promise you, and it doesn't mean he's not going to figure it out, but I can promise you his numbers will be not good at the end of the year. That's all I'll say. Ah, damn. All right, Aram. I guess. All right. Sorry, Yankee the fans. <laughs> All right. They're going to be like, I don't want Aram coming back on again. <laughs> oh, he is at Aram Layton 8 on Twitter. Direct all your vitriol his way. I'm Jack underscore McMullen 11. Anything nice you have to say about the pod, direct it my way. Like and subscribe. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Pods. This is so appreciated. And uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. It'll be me and Pete. See you guys. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere, visit highland.com.